Health Fuels Hustle, a podcast for business owners looking to create their own brand of work-life balance. This podcast is for creatives looking to improve their health naturally and funnel that energy into the work they live and love. I'm your host, Amy Koretsky, an acupuncturist, herbalist, and health coach for creatives. Hey y'all, we're back for another episode of Health Fuels Hustle. At this point, you probably know the drill. If you want to support Health Fuels Hustle, you can do through ooh, you can do so through my Patreon page, which you can find in the show notes and my Instagram handle, all the places that you find me. Uh, by supporting this podcast and by supporting me on Patreon, you are part of a community that does live breathwork circles with me every month, um, as well as getting some self-care bundles for you to do at home, including monthly breathwork recordings, tarot spreads, all the goodies. Patreon's a great way of really bucking the system and supporting each other directly in a really like affordable and accessible way. So I'm real excited about it, real happy about it. And the person that I am interviewing today also has a Patreon account, and I highly suggest that you support them as well. I know I do because I love this person. Let me tell you a little bit about them. So today we're talking to Tess, who you might know as the City Witch on Instagram. Um, Tess, I originally was introduced to through Lindsay Mack on Lindsay's podcast, and I felt I had like those like praise hands emojis the whole time I was listening to their their episode and I knew that I wanted to be friends with them and to talk to them on the podcast and we ended up just like starting an Instagram friendship and now I have them on the podcast and honestly it was hard to end this conversation because we talked for almost an hour maybe it's a little bit more and we really could have talked for another hour honestly like before we even recorded and after we pressed stop we had like half hour more on either end of conversation and I was like gosh this could just be another podcast but I didn't want to blow all of your minds with a two-hour podcast because I'm respectful of your time um because I also know that I don't like listening to podcasts that are like two hours long so anyway let me tell you a little bit more about Tess Tess is a non-binary city witch a retired sex worker zinester and folk tarot reader currently residing on unceded and unsurrendered Algonquin Ashinaabe territory in so-called Ottawa. They are a Cancer Sun and Moon Aries Rising, influenced by anarchist studies on gendered labor and body autonomy during their history and political science degree at the University University of Ottawa. Tess approaches tarot as a spiralic revolutionary tool to heal the collective. And we talk about like healing the collective a lot in this podcast. We talk about um, navigating the waters of both like self-care and community care, which is something that I've been thinking about a lot in my own work and in my life. Um, We talked about trauma-informed healing. We talk about anti-capitalism as entrepreneurs. We talk about um, like non-hierarchical payment structures. We talk about collective readings. We talk about... Um, things that we do that go against the grain or norm of traditional societal, ooh, wow, I am not working today with my mouth, that go against the traditional, like, or societal, societal values when it comes to our health and healing. 
I also want to pop in and say that Tess and I talk a lot about tarot during this episode because we're both tarot readers. Um, and both of us have studied under Lindsay Mack, who you've also maybe heard on the podcast because I did an interview with her on episode one of season four or whatever season we're on right now in the podcast. And I want to say that also Lindsay's amazing, huge, like, all-encompassing tarot course, which is called Tarot for the Wild Soul, is open. Again, she opens the doors um, every fall. So uh, the class actually starts in the fall, but the doors are open now in late July. And um, I myself am taking the course this year, and I'm really excited about it. I've taken smaller courses of hers in the past, and I've actually gone to her in-person workshops before. But this is my first time um, doing her in-depth like tarot course. And I'm also an affiliate for the course. And so I want to just put it out there that if you're at all interested in taking her course and you're also interested in supporting me and the work that I do here on the podcast, one of the ways that you can support me as you support yourself and also support Lindsay is by clicking my affiliate link through my Instagram bio or also through the show notes in this episode and joining me in learning more and going deeper into tarot as medicine for our wild souls. Um, you know, Lindsay's, you know, Lindsay has a really unique and nourishing is a, is a really good adjective that I would like to use right now, nourishing viewpoint of the tarot. And it is not at all scary. There's no fortune telling. There's no fear mongering. It's very, evolutionary and and nourishing and um, I think the reason why I resonate so much with Tess is because their reading style is very much rooted in this similar style as Lindsay's and similar to what I'm called to do in my readings and we all just kind of resonate on the same level and it's a very holistic version of the tarot. And so I'm just putting it out there um, that I would love for you to take this course with me. I would love for us to be peers in this course. And if you're so called to take it, that you could be of even greater support to me by um, using my affiliate link to sign up. I would very much appreciate it. Um, I don't know off the top of my head how long enrollment is open for, but I think it's for a couple weeks. And so I'll probably be mentioning this at least one more time on the podcast before enrollment closes. Uh, and you can find more info through my Instagram link tree and also through the show notes here. And yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed this conversation. I really think you're going to enjoy the conversation. I know I say this every week, but I really, really do believe that. So with that, I'm going to let you listen to our conversation and enjoy yourself. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Health Feels Hustle. Um, so as a lot of you already know, I basically use this platform as a way to talk to all of my favorite internet crushes. And today is no different. So today on the podcast, um, I've got Tess, who is the city witch. Uh, Tess is someone that I first found out about them um, on Lindsay Mack's podcast, Tarot for the Wild Soul, heard the interview, thought it was amazing, started following them on Instagram, and then just through happenstance and stories and whatever, Tess and I have started having this really great DM thread and some of the conversations that we were having in there, I just really felt would 
be appropriate to have on this podcast because um, they're about entrepreneurship and about the growing pains of entrepreneurship and the um, struggles that we have having like anti-capitalist viewpoints and being an entrepreneur or having neurodivergence or trauma like as entrepreneurs. And so with that, I wanted to bring Tess on the podcast. So Tess, do you mind telling us a little bit about yourselves and about your path to doing healing work? Yeah, um, so I am, I guess, officially, I would say that I'm a tarot reader, but that has always felt a little clunky or like inaccurate, because I feel like more of what I do is healing, um, or I would like consider myself a healer. Um, but like, specifically, it's healing and tarot is the tool that I use to facilitate that. Um, in terms of how, I guess, my path towards healing. So um, for about 20 years, um, I was, my life was very much dictated by, um, my parents, um, and like childhood trauma. And it wasn't until I moved away, um, like basically as far away as I could go, um, to, to go to university that I didn't, I had this weird kind of like rock bottom moment where, all of a sudden, no one was there to tell me what to do or how to live my life. And I didn't have any concept of agency or like what that what making decisions like as simple as like what I was going to eat for dinner, what that felt like. And it was really scary. Um, so I ended up finding a partner or like a boyfriend at the time who would do that for me and make all of my decisions and who was also really abusive and controlling. And it wasn't until we had a breakup and some friends of mine kind of intervened. And coincidentally, also at the same time, I was studying history and political science at university. um, And I was doing this course on women in early medieval history, specifically early medieval European history and linking the um, burning of witches as a form of, um, uh, suppressing, uh, solidarity and political like insurgents from women. Um, and so that was my introduction to witchcraft, um, and tarot. And I couldn't, I had like broken up with this person. I again had to start making decisions for myself and like living my own life, which was absolutely terrifying. And I couldn't afford a therapist. Um, so I was just pulling tarot cards, like, um, you know, having like a meltdown in the grocery store because I was triggered. And so I would like run to the bathroom and pull a tarot card as a way to really objectively look at what was happening. Um, because, and and after now also doing a lot of dialectical behavior therapy and that really influencing um, my tarot practice, um, I guess the way that I would describe it is like some people's nervous systems are really hotwired, um, either because they were born that way or because of how they were treated, um, as their brains were developing. So like nature versus nurture, both of those can really play into your brain just being like hotwired to be very reactive. Um, and it kind of like my, like my parasympathetic nervous system, which I usually just refer to as my 911 system is permanently like on. And so a lot of what, I found helpful with tarot is learning to turn it down or um, learning to basically like rewire my brain and like neuroplasticity and all that nerdy stuff, um, which I don't know a whole lot about in a technical sense, but I know about it just through the lens of like my own um, healing path and my own like 
healing my own brain and rewiring my own brain. Um, so yeah, I use tarot basically as a tool personally, um, to, to, to rewire my brain and really turn down my 911 system so I can rely more on my like empathetic, um, I call it either like our sympathetic nervous system or, um, our, our wise mind. I usually refer to it like as wise mind. Um, so leaning sympathetic nervous system. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I'm getting the two of them mixed up because they both have very similar names. So that's why I like always refer to it as our 911 system and wise mind, because that's how it's talked about in dialectical behavior therapy. Yeah. So you butchered that. No, it's totally okay. I talk about it with my patients all the time too, because I talk about it as our like fight or flight, because basically all of our resources in our body are getting triaged into our heart, our lungs and our muscles so that we can like run away from the terror that is like, you know, the stressor that's happening. And then the other one is like our rest and digest cycle. Um, Because then we can actually bring our resources back to like our immune system and our digestive system and our urinary system and our endocrine system and all the things that like our body really really needs to be healthy yeah and it it honestly like wasn't until this past year that I finally shifted out of constantly being in my 911 system and constantly being in like a fight flight freeze fawn response to to actually being somewhat stable or at least it feels more stable um so yeah I love that um also, when you were talking about like rewiring and neuroplasticity and stuff, one of the things that I never really thought about before, but this conversation made me think about it was, you know, with neuroplasticity, it really is about repetition um, mm-hmm. and repetition is about ritual. And I feel like tarot is about ritual. And so mm-hmm. I feel like uh, using tarot in this ritual sense really repetitively, like, you know, either maybe pulling a card every morning, like taking five minutes to sit down and ground and pull a card, or even like what you're saying, just having it with you so that when you're having a um, 911 system moment, you can pull out a card. And if you have like practiced it enough in that maybe slightly more like calmer sense of like taking a couple minutes in the morning to like ground and pull a card then mm-hmm. in that fight or flight moment um just the act of like pulling out the deck can almost be this like anchor that brings you back to that other moment where you can ground a little bit more so it's not so I mean part of it is absolutely the card and the interpretation and like using your tarot deck like a therapist but I also can see part of that in this neuroplasticity of like rewiring the brain and um, repetition of it being an anchor moment and I feel like okay so a lot of people say like don't pull a tarot card when you're feeling really emotional because it'll like skew your interpretations and I see where they're coming from with that But for me, as someone who finds it very hard to look at something objectively, especially when I'm in a 911 system state, I pull a tarot card because it's saying this is objectively what's happening. And like, can you look at this from a different perspective? Because so often I pull a card when I feel like I'm like when I feel like I'm in a tower moment and then instead the card I get is the star. Or um, it's like really opposite to what I think I'm going through. Um, Or I feel like I'm in the moon card and instead I pull the sun. And it's like, wait, but how does this make sense? Um, Like I'm not, this is the exact opposite of how I'm feeling. Um, And I, Do you think that has anything to do with like how some folks, and like no judgment here whatsoever, but some folks come at Tara with a a viewpoint of more like fear-based versus other people come at it with more of this like medicine based 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I feel like, I mean, if we wanted to like go into that further, I feel like on a deeper level, it's looking at like fear specifically our, um, our relationship to scarcity and lack and how, um, capitalism kind of wires us to, to work for like the American dream or that we have to work for things or earn them rather than, um, you know, abundance or respect or love or community, like all of these things just being something that everyone deserves because we're human and those are human needs and they're not things that we have to like work for or earn. Um, they're needs that we have that need to be met. Um, and so I feel like maybe on a much kind of deeper philosophical level, um, like approaching tarot as um, something to be afraid of because it's telling you like this is what's happening and you have no say in it or something like when a good card or a I like quote unquote good card because I don't believe there's good or bad cards right. in tarot but if we are looking at it from that lens when a good card comes up it's something that we have to work for or earn or attain and when a bad card comes up it shows up because we like did something wrong and like manifested negative energy and now we like earned this like bad card because we're like these sinful bad people <laughs> um so but yeah, yeah gross yeah it it really helped me understand this concept of um our feelings are valid but they're not always true and as someone who has so many feelings I'd constantly be like well I know like I'm not in danger right now, but I feel like I'm in danger. So my fight, flight, freeze response is kicking in um, because of whatever past experiences that were similar that like told me I was in danger. I now feel like I am in danger again. And tarot was a way for me to understand like, okay, my feelings are valid because I'm feeling them. Um, and, and I don't need to diminish my feelings, but also that doesn't mean they're truth and it doesn't mean they're you know, this really bad, dangerous situation is happening right now. Right. Um, and well, and there's also the idea of, like, what comes first, the thought or the feeling. Like, are you familiar mm -hmm. with Brooke Castillo at all? No. She's a life coach. Um, she has a podcast and a bunch of stuff. But anyway, she has this free ebook, or at least it used to be free. I don't – I got it a long time ago. But it's called oh. Self-Coaching 101, and it has a really interesting um, concept behind it, which I'm – 99% sure is backed by science, but now that I'm saying this out loud, I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> but it's this idea that, like, you know, a, a feeling is mostly like a vibration in the body. Mm -hmm. You know, most of the times we, you know, if we feel anxious, we feel it in our chest or in our stomach, or, you know, it's, it's a different sort of actual somatic experience. Mm -hmm. um, and then we are kind of like, we grow up basically thinking that our feelings influence our thoughts. And then we're, when we're anxious, we have these thoughts that are our anxious thoughts like oh my god this last shoe is gonna drop or you know whatever the mm -hmm. sky is gonna fall um and what she posits is that actually thoughts come first and then feelings are responses to our thoughts and so it's that mm -hmm. voice in our head maybe not like our you know how oftentimes like for instance Lindsay teaches in this idea of like the ego versus the soul so a lot yeah. of time like our thoughts are really like our ego that's like trying to keep us small aka safe and so the ego is saying like oh you can't do that thing because for x y or z reason and then that makes us feel fearful or that makes us feel anxious mm -hmm. versus um the anxiety coming first so her whole um theory of like coaching with people 
is helping them be more like have more awareness around the thoughts that are influencing their feelings so that then they can look back and be like, that's valid. I see that, but that's my ego talking. And like the thought that my soul is saying is more this so that it can help shift our feelings in that way. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. It's good stuff. People, you can find her online. (laughs) Brooke Castillo. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think that whole idea of like feelings aren't facts is so huge. And so, yeah, thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Um, kind of going along with that a little bit, I have a question for you. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is yeah. formal. I don't know why I said it like that. I was um, like, I am here. <laughs> I know you are here on an interview. Let me ask you some more questions. Um, okay. So as someone who has, you know, lived with trauma, has neurodivergence, like has to be very aware of how they care for themselves. And I know that you're someone that like values self-care as, I mean, tarot basically as a tool for self-care for you has been like life changing. Um, I also know that you're someone that is interested in activism and community organization and political movements and social justice. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, there's been a lot of there was a big thing around self-care in the last couple of years. And I will say I have even been a part of that. I mean, a lot of what this podcast is, is work is talking about self-care for creatives, like helping business owners understand that they are their businesses, you know, most valuable asset and they need to treat themselves that way. Um, but, and there's also been pushback on that around this idea of, um, you know, showing up more for community care as opposed to self-care. And I think that there's room for both of those things. I don't think that they are mutually exclusive in any way, but as someone that both has to be very diligent around your self-care and is also like politically active, how do you manage or balance or whatever you want to say, like the need for self-care with the drive for community care? Um, Okay, I feel like I'm going to go really specifically and talk about something really specifically, and then maybe we can kind of, We'll zoom in and then zoom back out and talk about stuff a little bit more broadly. Totally. But, like, really specifically, um, an analogy that my psychiatrist used um, and that I've, like, carried with me ever since was this idea of, like, our emotions as a bank. And in order to, like, the way that we normally work with our emotional bank is when we have to do something difficult that takes money out of our bank, we reward ourselves afterwards. Um, and my psychiatrist had me rewarding myself before I did the difficult thing. So it's like, you need to put money in your emotional bank first so you can take money out because otherwise you're withdrawing on zero. So it was like, yeah. So she had me like one week do five nice things for myself that week, um, to put money in my emotional bank. And then afterwards I had to do five nice things for myself by breakfast time. Um, like the following week. So it was like drinking coffee and like my favorite mug or um, like it didn't mean because you can't take five baths with like a bath bomb or breakfast. So it like really forces you to think about, I guess, more like the small details of like nice things you can do for yourself. Um, Whether that's like just soothing things. Um, Like, for example, I find, um, I've been watching Carl Sagan's Cosmos because I find it so soothing, um, specifically like the newer one with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, and I just find his voice so soothing. Um, so I'll listen to, to like Cosmos in the background. It's just like 
a nice thing to do for myself while I'm working. It's um, like for me, listening to Harry Potter when I go to bed. Like sometimes if I'm like having a yeah. little bit of insomnia, I'll listen to Harry Potter like as I fall asleep because it's super soothing. Yeah. Or like I absolutely have to go to a coffee shop in the morning and get a coffee and it has to be a good coffee. And it seems really like particular and maybe a little ornery on my part but I'm like I just this is the the one nice thing I do for myself every morning is like having a nice cup of coffee um from my favorite coffee shop well and there's something um, really um I mean maybe not for everyone but for myself and I have a feeling for you too there's something really comforting about ritual and like yeah. repetition in that way so like the fact that this is something you do every morning like it yeah. gives some structure and some comfort to that Especially when I'm like, like basically self-employed, I have to create some sort of structure around my day. Um, So now it's turned into also like I go for coffee at my favorite coffee shop and then I go to yoga in the morning. Um, And and then afterwards I can focus and like get all my stuff done that I need to do. Um, Because otherwise I don't have like a set schedule or a workplace to really show up in. It's just my living room that's like, part living room, part workspace. Um, so yeah, the ritual is definitely very important. And also like I have ADHD, so I like hate routine, but also really desperately need routine. So it's a lot of finding ways to trick myself into liking a routine because I hate it at first, but I love the structure and the feeling of it afterwards if that makes any sense. No, it makes total sense. I mean, something yeah. that I've like worked with um, my clients before is, or the, and that I've even shared in like my own quote unquote self-care routine is that for me, it's for me personally, it's less about the actual thing that I'm doing and more about like carving out the time to do it. So for instance, mm-hmm. I don't really have this right now because the way my work schedule is, it's kind of early in the morning and I don't, and I like sleep and sleep is important to me. But for a long time, it was um, setting aside like, you know, 30 minutes in the morning for either meditation or reading a book or doing some like stretching or yoga. And mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily that I had to do the same thing every day because that gets really boring for me. It was more that like I'm going to go in my office, which is like its own room with a door that I can close and like have my own space and then you know, maybe light a candle, maybe pull some cards, like whatever it is. It's just like setting aside that time to do it gave me that structure. Mm-hmm. And so to kind of link back what you were asking about um, or what we were talking about on self-care for ourselves, but also how to care um, for our communities and for the collective, um, we can talk about it on like a really spiritual level as, you know, as above, so below, meaning um what is happening externally is a reflection of our internal processes. So how we care for the community is symbolic of how we care for ourselves. Um, and, and that just on a literal level, using the analogy of like putting money in our emotional bank, like we cannot do acts of care and love and empathy for others. If we aren't putting that money in our emotional bank, like we can't withdraw from our emotional bank if we're not putting money in in the first place. So it's like every act of love I do for myself is also then an act of love I do for someone else. Um, Or like um, 
I feel like I'm probably going to quote like Emergent Strategy and like Adrian Marie Brown's Emergent <laughs> Strategy a lot because Please that do. book like shook my world. Dude, but, I've been on the um, library waiting list for that book forever. I need to just like buck up and buy it already because. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And it's kind of strange because like the, like, I thought I would use it more for like political organizing. Um, but it's actually like full of liner notes about like tarot cards of like, oh my God, this reminds me of like this tarot card. And it was really helpful and like uh, connecting my values and beliefs as like an anarchist to how I interpret values and belief systems in the tarot. Um, I mean, and I, I was like, probably what makes you an amazing tarot reader and like a very unique tarot reader is that you've created these. Um, your own like system of meanings and not like in this way where you just completely like throw out the baby with the bathwater, but no. it really, it, it gives it a special lens, which I think is what makes you a great tarot reader. Yeah. And I, I think what helped was that no one really taught me tarot. Like I found it on my own. And especially because I grew up brethren, which is like, like Mennonite or Amish. Um, it's a little bit more secular and open than Amish or Mennonite. So it's not quite the same, but in the same Christian like sect. Um, so I really had no concept of it other than like, I saw this really cute, like holographic deck on Tumblr and was like, Oh my God, that's so sparkly. I need it. <laughs> um, and, and, um, I couldn't find it was this like really long process of not being able to find any books or theory that resonated for me. And, and I could see bits and parts of it that I liked, but then was like, Oh, this feels really icky or like this just doesn't line up with my actual like values and beliefs. So I'm going to stick with those and see how I can reformat or like refit what I'm reading. So that like, they're still similar, and yeah, I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's just like aligning them. So it, it doesn't feel icky for me or it doesn't feel like I'm giving up some sort of value or, or, um, belief that I know to be true. Yeah. That's fucking perfect. Yeah. I love that. Um, to stay on this like conversation of community care for a second, mm -hmm which is also going to kind of transfer into the conversation that I want to have around like more business and money stuff. Cause I think it's all kind of interrelated. Like one of the mm -hmm. things that's been coming up for me, and I think we even had a little bit of a conversation about this on Instagram DMS, mm -hmm. but this idea of like, so for me also as someone that does healing work, um, healing work, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of time. Like, mm. you know, we can do all of the protection spells. We can do all of the like Qigong ahead of time and all of the like energy bubbles. And still it's somewhat exhausting to do like energy work all day long for other people. Yeah. And so one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot in terms of like how to both care for myself and care for the community at the same time is like doing more community or collective sort of offerings so that I'm not there's only so many people that I can work with if I'm doing one-on-one -on -one. like I can yeah. only do three sessions a day with people because my sessions are 90 minutes I need some time in between to like ground rest go for a walk like eat some uh -huh. food or whatever and I also have like two businesses that I'm running so I only have like so much time in my life and and so that is very limiting in a lot of ways and I want to be able to work with as many people as possible 
And also I want to make my services as affordable as possible. And if I'm only working with like three people a day, then that makes the services more expensive versus working working with a lot. And so I know that you have been doing this thing on your Patreon account of like these collective readings. And I think that that is this really interesting idea of like, you know, different ways that we can serve many people at once to both um, conserve our energetic resources, which is like a type of self-care. It's a boundary. And at the same time, um, share our gifts or work with as many people as possible at the same time in this like really giving way. So can you speak to that at all about any of that? It all started, um, friends of, I found, uh, I got my friends all into tarot because they were like, whoa, this is so cool. Um, and now they all have their own like kind of tarot practices, which I love. Um, and Dude, we I totally honestly, did that too. Like in my group of friends, they're all just like, okay, what tarot deck should I buy? And I was like, oh, let's yeah. go shopping. <laughs> yeah, it's so much fun. And because I get to, it's like a language I speak that I get to share with someone. Um, and now we get to speak the same language. And it's like having that community of, of people who who, who speak tarot speak, um, is really, um, nice, especially when I'm like, I'm in a city that doesn't have any sort of really metaphysical community that has values that I also hold. Um, so yeah, we would get together on like full moons and read tarot for each other. And it like, really just turned into like everyone kind of chiming in as we did each person's tarot reading of like, Oh yeah, I feel like it's like this or it resonates that way. Or what if we looked at it from this perspective? And I was like, damn, this is so cool. Um, and I wanted to start doing it as like things I do, um, for, uh, parties and stuff or not so much like as a, as a party trick, but more of like, uh, friends, you know, who want to get together and have a bunch of friends over for tarot and, and we, you know, everyone gets a tarot reading, but we really like create a circle and like hold some sort of sacred space for each other. Um, I think that'd be so beautiful for like a birthday party or something because you know, it's like the, it's your solar return. Like it's a perfect time to do some sort of like year ahead spread or. Yeah. But, um, I haven't found at least the community that I am a part of physically and tangibly in Ottawa is not as interested in that or is really just discovering tarot. So I'm still kind of carving out the space for that to exist. Um, so I was like, I could just do this like with webinar software because I know so many people online or that I know through Instagram that would love doing this. Um, because it's like, it's both a way to get familiar with tarot if you're, you're like, you don't have to be a super experienced reader to participate, um, whatsoever. And I kind of like, I set the structure in the sense of, or like facilitate the structure in the sense of, I will run through the reading fairly quickly and go through like, okay, this is how I would do this reading if it was just me and you one-on-one. Um, and then after that, the, like the, the other half of the, the zoom call is just, open to any sort of discussion over like I very much one thing that I noticed when doing this with my friends is they were like well you're the tarot reader so like what do you have to say and I'm uh finding and and very much open to suggestions on ways to facilitate the structure in a way that is less like 
this is what Tessa has to say because like Tessa's a tarot reader facilitating this. Like everything they say is true. Yeah. Like less Uh, hierarchical and more like collective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm really just there to create like the container for this to all happen within. Um, and like, or, and, and we can even translate that to like, that's how I interpret the Kings and like the court cards. Um, the slow hauler calls them architects, the, the deck slow hauler, um, calls them architects. And I, that's kind of the energy that I'm trying to embody in facilitating these as like being an architect or a builder, um, and facilitating structure in this space. So it's kind of cool. And it feels not that I dislike doing one-on-one tarot readings whatsoever, but it feels right. Like, I'm like, oh, this is the thing that I'm meant to be doing. Well, and does uh, it feel, like, more reciprocal, too? Like, not that one-on-one readings, like, aren't reciprocal. Like, there's definitely an exchange of different kinds. But when it's, yeah. um, like, I've done a couple collective readings for groups in person before, too. And it does just feel, um, I mean, literally, we were sitting in a circle. And so yeah. there's this, like, energy exchange of even, like, people across from you. And, like, it's just all, it was all swirling really beautifully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It reminds me of, like... Um, I guess the word we could use is like interdependence rather than independence Mm -hmm. Um, and and how we're all like mutually reliant on each other in a really immaterial way. And this is just one like tangible material way of um, symbolizing or like ritualizing our interdependence, Um, which I think, yeah, it's just, it's this really beautiful moment. And so I've only done one so far on Patreon, but it was amazing um and I'm so excited to do more um yeah and it was it was also really cool because the person um that I asked to be the receiver of the reading or the individual that we were reading for was my roommate who um first encouraged me to get a tarot deck like years ago and has been the person that I've always practiced doing readings on um and they are it's it's weird because it's like, I feel like I'm in a relationship, like, I would identify as a tarot reader, but I feel like they're a tarot receiver, if, if that makes any sort of sense. They're just really good at receiving a reading and, like, ask questions and engage with the reading in a way that, like, makes me think about the cards differently or, like, consider a different perspective. And I'm like, oh, mm, man, that's cool. so, like... Yeah, it's so it was really it was really nice to do the reading for them. Um, must have also felt like super safe, like since it's something like where it's your first time doing something, and there's always like some nerves when it's the first time, and so to work with someone that it felt very full circle, very Um, cool, like a like kind of like a world moment. um, To reference another tarot card, I'm (laughs) sorry, I do that a lot in like conversations because I I don't know how to. I do it too. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, one of the coaches that I work with, like, is familiar enough with tarot that I can be like, so I feel like I'm in the hermit right now. And that, like, <laughs> makes a lot of sense to her. And I'm like, okay, I feel like I can just say these words and that yeah. doesn't sound like a crazy person. Yeah. Um, can we talk about Patreon more? Because, yeah. um, so, like, by the time this podcast comes out, I will officially have a Patreon on there. But right now I'm in the midst of like transitioning my monthly offering to Patreon. And you are actually part of my inspiration for it because, um, so one of the, 
how, where do I start here? So with the monthly medicine offering that I do, which is like a monthly breathwork subscription and a live breathwork um, group call and some other little things, I wanted something that was like affordable and accessible in a lot of different ways. And also I wanted to have some sort of like sliding scale option for marginalized groups. Um, and at the same time, it didn't feel quite right and I couldn't quite put my finger on it and then when you and I were talking and then I saw your thing your Patreon go live and you chose to have like all of the different levels be the same um gifts is that what they call it like the same like um, every level that's pays for yes so everyone gets the same reward no matter if they give two dollars or they give ten dollars a month and like when I was first starting my thing I thought about doing Patreon and I like started setting it up and I was like this feels weird I don't like you know giving only so much to somebody because that's all they can afford yeah. I never even like wrap my mind around the idea of like oh well I can just give the same thing to everyone and then when you did that and I was like Tess you're blowing my mind right now yeah <laughs> so um, how's that been working for you Good. And I, I <laughs> it's going great. Um, <laughs> I, like, I just couldn't imagine it like happening any other way. Um, it would just kind of was what felt natural. Like it wasn't really a conscious like, oh, yeah, how can I make this more affordable? It was like, well, this has to be affordable. Um, like I personally, one of my like values or beliefs um, about my own personal practice is that it's not healing unless it's accessible. Um, are you familiar with liberation acupuncture? No. Oh, you go Google that after this. Cause you're going to be like, yes, yes, yes. And you're just amazing. Gonna, you're going to love oh it. Oh my all. gosh. I'm so excited. But yeah, I, it just, it, it could not happen any other way. Um, and, and maybe that's, it's also been a bit of a struggle for me personally coming from a community background rooted in like the DIY punk culture of, um, like you don't charge for tarot readings or totally, like, or like $5 like, shows. Like that's how I grew up. Like yeah, if the show was more than $5 in a basement, people were like, what the fuck? I'm not going. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I wonder if maybe really subconsciously part of me is really, well, and I got this astrology reading done by um, Molly of the Firebrand Witch. And, um, it was amazing because it really linked, um, Mm, this martyrdom I'm very attached to and how my ego can be attached to selflessness and how when we think of like being egoless we think of of selflessness and how um, our ego can actually be attached to that and being selfless does not necessarily mean I've conquered my ego right. and so I wonder like maybe really deep down um, I'm just so attached to this idea of sliding scale or um um, like pay what you can or just like things being less expensive because of that. But also I, I do on the other hand, very strongly believe it's like, like a pastor should never be in a different income bracket than their church. Like you should. And, and like, it's more of, I think like an American thing with like mega churches, but like as with growing up in the church and like this concept of tithing, like I, I was really, um, disenchanted with how pastors would be making, like, especially one of the church that I was going to, um, in university was a lot, mostly students. And the pastor was like really well off and, and making a lot of money. And then you have all these students who like really don't even have money 
to be able to afford groceries but are being like emotionally and spiritually manipulated into tithing mm, a, like yeah. large amounts of money for the church quote unquote um and so i guess like growing up around that and has really turned me off to um how we exchange money when it comes to anything immaterial like services especially when it we can use that as a way to like spiritually and emotionally manipulate each other yeah um so yeah i wanted it to be like like it's hard because you can't set up pay what you can on patreon and i thought you could so then i had to get creative and come up with a way of like oh okay well what if i just do the exact same rewards because I'm also too lazy to set up different rewards. No, that was totally like mind blowing for me when you did that. I was like, yes, this is exactly the way that I was wanting it to work. And I just didn't know it at the time. Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe. And I feel like it might like literally just be like part laziness of like, I don't, I am not creative enough to come up with like a bunch of different tiers. And I don't think that at certain aspects of my worth are like work are worth more or more valuable than others. Like I feel like they're all valuable. So I wanted Uh, to, Oh, sorry. Well, no, also I just think that there's like, there's an overabundance of content out in the world. And like, I think that that's great. I think that there's so much, um, access to information out there. There's so much access to like affordable healing and everything. And at the same time, I'm feeling kind of burnt out on consuming content. And like, here I am making a podcast, but like I, and it's the same thing where it's like, I, so I support a handful of people on Patreon and basically what I've done is like just chosen to give like X number of dollars to X number of people without even really getting any of the rewards because I can't handle anything more in my inbox. I don't actually necessarily like, even want the rewards I just like want a way to support people that I think are doing good stuff in the world yeah it's cool to do that on yeah it feels kind of weird to be like oh I have a patreon um like and my partner kind of like made fun of me for it like a little bit um not like menacingly or anything but but just like oh like you have a patreon now like like I'm gonna start I don't know um like a twitch account or like have your own podcast. <laughs> have my own podcast or something. Um, which, yeah, has also been, I guess, a struggle for me as, as someone who, um, to use, like, um, like chronic illness language, like, I don't have a lot of spoons. Yeah. Um, and I feel like this is kind of like how you were talking about, like, I can only see so many clients in a day and I need to figure out other ways that I can offer um the the like healing or like the services that I provide in a way that reaches the most amount of people without burning me out um and so like I toyed around for a couple months with the idea of starting my own podcast and then um yeah like just like had a bunch of different ideas of like oh I could try this or um and I I really really wanted to have like nice video equipment um to be able to record these really like beautiful videos that I like am still visually really tied to but I realized like my phone camera is gonna have to be good enough and I just there's um can I share something with you really quick 
Yeah. I love that. I love what you just said about like my phone camera is going to have to be good enough because it is good enough. Like when I first started this podcast, I literally just plugged in my little white earbuds into my computer, turned on QuickTime, pressed record and talked for like 20 minutes. It didn't edit it. I didn't even know how to use GarageBand or anything. And if I messed up, I just said, sorry, people, I just messed up. Let me keep going. And didn't have any intro music. Like what the podcast is now is completely different than what it was four seasons ago because I felt it felt overwhelming to have to have a microphone or to have to know how to use GarageBand or anything like that. And at the same time, I wanted... I was too fucking lazy to write blog posts. And I was like, this will be easier if I just press record on a podcast. And that's how I started it. And I love this idea of like the minimal viable product. Yeah. Yeah. And cause I mean, and I, I think it really fits in specifically to like on like a business level, we could talk about like, uh, like fitting in with your audience and like the people that, follow me on Instagram or like the community that I've built around Instagram, I don't think they care about the packaging. They're really interested in the content and and actually getting, especially because like there's, like you were saying, there's like this overabundance of content and, and everyone, you know, has a podcast and everyone now, like I know a lot of people have a Patreon or like a newsletter, like, we have this like saturation of beautiful content, but I wanted to share something that at least for me is really meaningful to share. Um, so, and it came through in an emergent strategy. Um, Adrian Marie Brown in the beginning talks about listening. Um, and like specifically, uh, I'm listening now with all of my senses as if the whole universe might exist just to teach me more about love. Um, and I was really struggling at the time with, how I approach content creating and social media and this like strategic, um, you know, like how to beat the Instagram algorithm and all of this strategy on how to create content that's more engaging. Um, and the universe was, and well, specifically like my ancestors that are my spiritual guides were like, you don't need to strategize anything. Like the only strategy you need to do is listen um, and like, yeah. we'll tell you what to say. You just need to be listening. Um, and if you need strategy, strategize around how to listen the best um, and how that. to be really open and receptive. Um, kind of like, so I think of it as like approaching social media in a high priestess way rather than a magician way. And there's no shame to anyone who approaches social media in a very like solar oriented magician strategic way. I think that it's great if that's what works for you, but it doesn't for me. Dude, I, you'll appreciate this. I was like haunted, like stalker card by the seven of swords a bunch for a long time. And I like, it was totally the card that just like made me feel like shit. And I was like, what is, is this calling me out? I don't understand this. And then when I started working with Lindsay more and she understands that card more as this like, Oh, like over strategizing mind. And I was like, Oh, that makes total fucking sense. Yeah. Yeah. And even like, you could look at the seven of swords as like through the lens of social media as looking at the followers you don't have and the reach statistics you don't have. And, and um, the engagement rate that you don't have rather than looking at what you already do have and like working with the community that you do have and committing to be of service to that community. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. 
Thank you for sharing all of that. You're welcome. Um, we're getting kind of long on time. So I think maybe this would be a good time just to even wrap up a little bit. And mm -hmm. there's one question that I, I like to ask, um, which would be like, what's one thing that you do for your health that maybe goes against the grain or like the norm or traditional societal views? Mm -hmm. Um, hmm. Okay. Um, I feel like one thing that goes against maybe not traditional society as like a whole, but traditional, uh, spiritual, like online community values is like, like I am a big fan of my meds. Um, I love my medication. It works for me. And I know for a lot of people, medication doesn't work for them, but like, I probably would not be here if it wasn't for my meds saving my ass so many times. Um, and, and then, like, I get it after, like, being on the wrong meds for, like, quite a few years. Like, being on antidepressants and having bipolar that was just undiagnosed because no one had taken the time to actually, like, sit down and get to the root of, like, everything that was going on in my life. Um finally getting on like bipolar medication and getting the right meds for ADHD and, and finding medication for both of those things that wouldn't interact with each other in a way that is more harm than healing, um, has been huge. Um, yes. I mean, I, I would love to take a moment and like say thank you for sharing that. Cause I feel like that is some permission that probably a lot of people listening, um, needed to hear in the moment, um, mm -hmm. you know, like as someone that does more like clinical healing work with acupuncture and herbs, I've had patients come in before. Actually, I had this thing recently where I saw this girl at a free acupuncture event and I treated her there and she had a really profound experience with just like even a couple needles and like tears came up and it was a really, it was a really big thing for her. And she reached out to me afterwards and emailed me and she was like, I know that I really want to come in and see you and I'm having all this resistance. And I was like, okay, great. Let's talk about it. Like, where is the resistance coming from? And, mm -hmm. um, she shared that in the past when she's considered like doing something, maybe a little bit more like alternative medical care, she's felt shamed that she's still, connected and still dependent upon her meds. And then she feels like she has to be in either a hundred percent in one camp or a hundred percent in the other camp. And she yeah. felt like, um, her conversation with me was like the first time that she felt validated and like affirmed that it was okay that she could do both. And even in my own personal history as someone with chronic disease and with autoimmune disease, um, I would not be here sitting and talking to you right now, if it wasn't for Western medicine, like I would be dead. Um, mm -hmm. I used very like really toxic medications, <clears throat> excuse me, toxic medications for years because it was the only thing that could save uh, my life. And I've had like emergency surgery before and like all of these things um, were so necessary and I'm so grateful for them. And just because I'm not using them currently in this moment in my life doesn't mean that I would not jump at the chance to take them again if the need arose like mm -hmm. there's no I think that there's no shame whatsoever in that and so I really wanted to say thank you for saying that 
Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, like in like politics or in political organizing, you know, it's a variety of tactics, um, that we need in order to dismantle capitalism. There's no one way to like heal that collective wound. And I don't think that there's one way specifically that's going to work for everyone. Um, and, and like taking my meds themselves on their own isn't enough. Like it does about 30% of the work, 20 to 30%. I find it brings me to at least that level where I can do, you know, therapy and, um, and like learn coping skills and, and, um, like Reiki or massage and yoga and somatic therapy, like all of those things fill up like the other 70% of the work that I have to do. Um, but I wouldn't even be able to do those things if I didn't take my meds in the first place to get me to that, like 30% level. That baseline. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's that difference between like, um, like surviving and thriving. Like it gets yeah. you to the place where you're like out of survival mode and you actually have a chance to get into thriving mode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like that just like reminded me of like, like there's like, uh, the book by Pete Walker, PTSD from surviving to thriving. Um, have you, uh, I haven't read it. No, no. Okay. Well, it's like literally, yeah. CPTSD from surviving to thriving. I don't like agree with everything that he says. Cause there's part of it where he's like, basically there's a lot of what he, his premise is that there's a lot of people with borderline personality disorder, which are just undiagnosed uh, complex PTSD and that true borderlines are like evil. Um, and as someone who like strongly identifies with borderline personality disorder and has like three different personality disorders, or at least in the DSMV, I qualify for a bunch of different personality disorders. Um, I was like, Ooh, that's uncomfy, but there's a lot of really good tech techniques and, I learned a lot about like my fight, flight, freeze, fawn response from that book and how to um, nav navigate like a lot of really practical skills um, that if you don't have access to like a dialectical behavior therapy group in your city, um, I would like recommend that as an alternative. Um, yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing. Cool. Um, I feel like we could talk for another hour really easily because there's yeah. a whole lot of more topics that I would love to talk to you about. So we might have to do like an encore one at some point. But okay. um, in the meantime, do you want to share with everyone listening of like how they can find you, like where they can find you online or how they could work with you or support you? Yeah. Okay. So my Instagram is CityXWitch um, because someone took the City Witch handle and they want hundreds of dollars for it. So uh, unfortunately, there's going to be an X between the word city and witch. Um, for forever, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh my God. Fun fact. I used to be straight edge vegan back when I was like really into the hardcore. Oh my God. Did you X up your hands and everything? No, but I did almost get a tattoo um, <laughs> and then discovered weed. So <laughs> I like, uh, it's funny because, um, don't you think that like some people just think of like punk kids as like one big, like group, but really like within the punk community, there's like the hardcore kids. And then there's like, you know, the 77 punks and then there's the, you know, more like folk punk kids. And I, I don't know. It's making me reminisce right now. Yeah. I feel like I started out like as a hardcore kid in my angsty teen years and have like matured into a folk punk adult. Oh, yeah. I totally um, am a folk punk right now, too. 
110% and probably have been for like the last 18 years. So I think that's like the rest of my, my life journey. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's my Instagram. Um, my Patreon is city, Witch. you can also find it, um, in the link tree and my Instagram bio. Um, and I've got on my website, um, there's a lot of different ways we can work together. I do, um, long distance readings over Skype, um, which people are always asking, like the number one question I find that people ask me once they find out I'm a tarot reader is like, are long distance readings like different than in-person ones? Um, and honestly, the only difference is I don't have to clean my house because you're not coming over to my house. <laughs> that's, that's literally the only difference. And you don't um, have to wear pants if you don't want to. I mean, that's another Yeah, difference. like hypothetically, I could get away with not wearing pants. <laughs> I've totally done that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've got, um, yeah, I've got long distance readings that way. I'm also um, s- setting up a... Uh, or something that I'm going to be offering that's a little bit newer, different than my traditional like half hour, hour long tarot readings is like a, I don't want to say tarot coaching because it's not, but it is kind of similar to coaching in just that we're doing a, like a monthly tarot reading for a period of six months. Um, and instead of an hour, it's an hour and a half. Um, and you get like a bunch of homework and hopefully I think it's fun homework. Um, but we're just kind of tracing, how things are evolving um, and kind of really committing to doing the work of uh, evolution together. Um, So that's what I'm really excited about or like anything I'm doing that I'm really excited to start doing. I'm excited for you to start doing that. You know, as someone who I don't really do one-off calls with people anymore. I only do three month uh, commitments and Mm -hmm. it's so it's, it's great. Like it's great for the client because um, it creates like a, a much safer container. Cause mm-hmm. you know, the first one is always like, you know, you're getting to know each other and it might maybe take yeah. a little bit for them to like really feel secure enough to completely open yeah. up. And so then you can get like way deeper when you are meeting together regularly and you allow your, you're able to be a reflection to them of the transformation that's happening because so often like we can't see the forest from inside the trees. And so to have that person that we're reading with, like, you know, time in and time out over six months, then like you are your clients, like reflection and mirror. And um, Mm -hmm. it's really powerful. Yeah. And eventually like the homework aspect is really just for you to be able to start doing this for yourself and like understand how like I'm offering you a structure or format for self-reflection and out of the whole like six months you can take what works and leave what doesn't and and with taking what works kind of create your own structure or routine or a way to use like tarot as a personal practice at least like that's my underlying goal or hope um, when working with people through that so very cool um and anyone listening you can go to the show notes um on my website and all of the links that we talked about like all the books we talked about and everything else will all be linked in there so it'll be an easy resource for you and with that um thank you tess i'm so happy that we got to do this and like i said i feel like we could easily talk for another hour (laughs) oh my god yeah (laughs) it's totally gonna happen um thanks for being here thank you for having me 
Thanks for listening to another episode of Health Fuels Hustle. If you want to catch up on previous episodes, you can find them at healthfuelshustle.com or on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more about fueling your hustle, make sure you check out my website at amykoretsky.com. That's where you can find all of my free resources, sign up for my weekly-ish newsletter health notes, and learn more about how you can work with me to help you reach your health goals. Just now I like pulled a car and it was the tower reverse. And I was like, oh yeah, Tess and I are going to like burn it all down. Like, cause oh I God. wanted to have a conversation about like I'm pulling the tower reverse, like personally, and it's driving me bonkers. So that's great. Yeah. Isn't that so crazy and alarmed? Yeah.